You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, a semi-weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Join your host, Steph, on Wednesday mornings to chat about seasons, Sabbaths, and all new witchcraft topics to help you make your life more magical. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and I have a guest here with me today. I'm very excited to chat about uh, her at the time that we're recording this upcoming book. But by the time the uh, episode is published, the book will be out because it's literally tomorrow. So I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself and tell you where you can find her online. Well, hi, everybody. My name is Denise Alvarado, and I am an author and artist. And... uh, have been um, writing books for, I don't know, almost a couple decades now. Um, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. I currently live in Arizona. You can find me at creolemoon.com and crossroadsuniversity.com where I teach all about the things I write about. And I mostly write about folk magic, uh, Southern folk magic, voodoo and hoodoo, New Orleans voodoo specifically. Um, My new book is the Marie Laveau Voodoo Grimoire and I'm uh, looking forward to discussing uh, that book and whatever else uh, we end up talking about (laughs) in the process of this discussion today. I am so excited to chat and familiarize everybody with this topic because I have talked about Marie like a little bit, but not something that I specialize in and everything that I know about Marie Laveau has come from your previous works. (laughs) So... I consider right. my own personal essay <laughs> on that. So I was really excited that you came out with this new edition. So for anybody who is not familiar, um, what is your new book about and what can they expect when they're starting to read it? Great question, because I've got a couple of books out um, about that focus on Marie Laveau. The first book I wrote about her was The Magic of Marie Laveau. And that book was about her life and about how and her specific style of uh, spirituality <clears throat> and uh, then I wrote the witch queen's book and that has a chapter in there about her and it's more about her life some other things I didn't cover in the magic of Marie Laveau and the longer I research about uh, Marie Laveau and um, put together all my notes and things um, there's just so much material on her that I wanted to share with the world um, And one of the things I wanted to share with people was how to, because I get a lot of questions about her um, and how to, how to, you know, quote unquote voodoo. And I think um, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what voodoo is. And this book hopefully helps to um, clarify it a bit in terms of it being like a spiritual lifestyle. It's more about, um, it's not as much about doing spells and, and that kind of thing. I think that, you know, the media and folks commonly focus on, although there is certainly uh, a big part of the practice that consists of those things. Um, but I wrote the Marie Laveau Voodoo Grim- Grimoire to be um, a set of instructions for how to um, implement the spiritual concepts of New Orleans voodoo and her specific style of voodoo, which I call Laveau voodoo, because it has a um, big component of it is Catholicism. Um, 
and don't let that scare you off though, because the things that she uh, incorporates are that are reflective of Catholicism are basically how you treat another person. I mean, she devoted her life to um, in service of her community. Whereas the majority public may see her as a voodoo queen and that word voodoo being as loaded as it is in terms of the media and whatnot, um, she is viewed as a healer more than that in New Orleans. Um, that's what we love her for. She spent her life in service of people who suffered from uh, the yellow fever, which lasted what, seven, eight um, decades. So her pandemic that she went through was her entire life, essentially. Um, and, you know, we went through a couple of years and look at how, how much it changed us and, and, and everything. Well, she, um, her whole life was that. And she figured out a way to not only help people heal and, um, you know, survive these pandemics, um, she did it in a way that was on her terms. She was, she was definitely a boss woman of the city. You know, she was well known as a, a businesswoman. Um, she also uh, ministered to people on death row. You know, she she worked with people and prayed with people who um, everybody else didn't want to, um, you know, work with or pray with or, you know, the, the type of people that we lock away and forget about. Um, she didn't do that. She went into the parish prison and she would help them set up altars uh, so that they could pray in their final days. She cooked them their final meals. Um so she did a lot of things like that. She's well-respected in the city because of that, um, because of those things in particular. I love her. It's such a fascinating history. And mm -hmm. just learning about her life is so interesting in how she helped the people that nobody else would and the people who couldn't afford traditional right. help and medicine. And all of her stories are just so fantastic. Like she's such a badass. <laughs> She really is. And, you know, that said, she also worked with the with the very well-to-do population. She she was in she infiltrated every aspect of society. <laughs> she sure did. And, um, she was a, a hairdresser and she, you know, um, went into the homes of the rich women of the city and, you know, she listened to all their gossip and she gathered that intel and um she knew all the backstories and people came to her for their, you know, requests for you know, love or reconciliation or revenge, she had the backstories on everybody. And so <laughs> she could tailor her workings to be very effective. Um, so on top of her natural skill of being a healer and and uh, practitioner, root worker, uh, she, uh, she used everything at her disposal to be the best uh, uh, practitioner and healer that she could be and obviously she was very effective and we're still talking about her today <laughs> Absolutely. a couple hundred years later <laughs> but yeah and the thing too that's really really uh, impresses me about her is people didn't live that long you know in in the 1800s there was a lot of illnesses that there weren't treatments for and the treatments were oftentimes more toxic than the actual illness and uh but she developed an immunity like 
like a lot of people did in New Orleans, um, to um, certain illnesses, like the yellow fever, for example. Um, but she, um, and totally forgetting what I was about to say. Oh that, my God. that she lived a long life. <laughs> I exactly. Is that's that where you're going with that? <laughs> that's what I was getting to. I was getting to that, that most people died, you know, in their thirties or whatnot. And she lived to be 80, almost 81. So she, that begs the question, well, how did she do that? Right. With all this, you know, illness stuff going on and just the, you know, the civil war, all these things that went on um, during her lifetime. I mean, how did she live to be, you know, 81 years old? Right. So I kind of address some of those things in, um, in my book, you know, I focused on, um, how she uh, ate, you know, what the food was, what she consumed. So what did she put into her body? Um, and I've got a whole chapter on recipes that are really good <laughs> um, that anybody can make. Uh, and uh, then also go into some other things that she, you know, did, spiritual baths and cleansings and, um, you know, working with a uh, prayer and, cultivating happiness over money, you know, cultivating joy. And when you do those things and you focus on the right energies, um, the blessings of other things, you know, tend to be, attract themselves to that. And uh, yeah, so the book goes into um, some of the, you know, a lot of those things that would have been part of her lifestyle, part of a typical Creole woman's lifestyle at the time, a Creole person in New Orleans. Um, how did you, was it just growing up in New Orleans or how did you get interested in the this whole world of Marie Laveau and all of this history information? Because I imagine it was a lot of study to put together everything that you have put together over the years about her life and her practices. So where did you even start? Yeah, that, that, um, I mean, I don't know anybody who grew up in New Orleans who doesn't know about Marie Laveau to some extent, even if it's just the surface, you know, tourist voodoo um, stuff. But for me, it was my aunt who um, introduced me to, to the mysteries and on a bayou in Mississippi, actually, um, where that part of my family is from, uh, when I was five or six years old. She uh, taught me how to uh, communicate with spirits with a single white candle. That was her biggest um, teaching to me. Um, cleansing with herbs and water. And uh, so I learned the very, very rudimentary basics as a small child. And um, not all my family was into voodoo at all. I'm not gonna say they were, they weren't. Um, but my parents were very, I, I was raised Catholic. Um, and I, you know, as an issue, um, I was confirmed and all that stuff. I had to go to uh, catechism and all that. Um, so I was raised Catholic and it's very compatible with New Orleans voodoo. Um, but my parents were very open and um, very supportive of my exploration. You know, they would buy me books on witchcraft or Hinduism or, 
even even got me a book on Satanism, uh, Anton LaVey's book, um, when I was very young. Uh, they didn't, they weren't afraid of the of me having information, and uh, so that's where it all started for me. Um, was in my early childhood when those that bits those bits of information were shared with me and um then I was able to draw on it you know throughout my life and I learned more you know as I got to be an adult of course um I learned a whole lot more of, about uh what these things meant and uh with my research as an anthropologist getting into it more on on, on in that from that perspective uh learning how to research and access you know records and things that um I hadn't been exposed to before and frankly a lot of people hadn't haven't been exposed to before a lot of it's unpublished but held in libraries and so uh I've been able to uncover some of that stuff and then interpret it and report on it in my books which I really appreciate because a lot of what you talk about and cover, like you said, is not easily acceptable to a lot of people. And as much as witchcraft in general can sometimes get a bad rap in pop culture, it's really nothing compared to what they do to voodoo. So I'd love to <laughs> chat about that and get your opinion on that because voodoo has the worst rap of any form of magical practice and is that pop culture is that rooted in racism what is going on that everybody is so scared of voodoo and not willing to look into what it actually is well you know i i, I hesitate to say that we had it worse than you know witchcraft because well witchcraft is in new orleans too um but uh wow you know it's true it's the most misunderstood religion, spiritual tradition ever. And I think the reason that it has it, you know, maybe a little worse than even witchcraft did um, was, is because it was, it came from Africa. So, you know, of course, anything, you know, black and African in this uh, country um, did not start off on a positive note. Uh, so it is definitely the definitely rooted in racism and there's a there was a whole pro, uh, propaganda system that was in place in uh the 1800s when you see um reports of it in the newspapers when um you know uh the, the cops would raid ceremonies and uh the way they would describe the quote-unquote darkies and um using the n-word and I mean, even the even the records, the the unpublished manuscript that I have accessed um, uses the N word, and this was records and research done by uh, interviews done by the Federal Writers Project, which was a a government project implemented during the Great Depression to um, employ writers. Um, what one of the things they did was they um, um, interviewed a whole bunch of people who were hoodoo practitioners and voodoo. Not as much voodoo, but hoodoo, but that's a whole different thing too, the difference between hoodoo and voodoo. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, going back to the, the bad rap, it's just that these traditions are 
there's there's a lot of fear about it because people don't understand what it is. You know, witchcraft is based, is a very healing based tradition. Um, it's a very ha harmonious, um, you know, living in harmony with nature and the planets and embracing all these energies, natural energies and living a lifestyle that reflects that. Um, you know, this world, this Western world is very much dominated by men and has been, you know, for a long time. And, you know, your uh, witchcraft, your midwives for, that were, you know, in Europe and the healers were, you know, uh, were um, prosecuted or targeted, you know, I think because of the power they had, you know, I think people are just afraid of the power women have. When we realize our power and we're not being constrained by outside influences, we can, um, we can do a lot. <laughs> um, and it's a shame that we're not allowed to, even to this day, that we don't have bodily autonomy. Damn right. <laughs> you know, but so we still have a lot of work to do with that. But I think because, you know, voodoo cult was rooted in Africa, and um, this country is largely uh, was was largely built on, uh, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears of the African enslaved people and indigenous people here that are, were already here. Um, you know, what do you what do you do when you've when you've committed such atrocities? You know, you have to you have to scapegoat somebody and something, and so. You know, they call Africa the dark continent and, you know, um, call, you know, indigenous people savages and, uh, you know, call Africans all kinds of stuff, uh, demeaning names. And those views like today, you see all the propaganda today, you know, when there's a narrative that people want, that the media wants out there, um, everybody amplifies that, that tone, um, you know, but, the topic of illegal aliens, for example, that that whole term illegal aliens, <laughs> you know, and, and everybody shortening it to illegals. Um, it's it's. There's a purpose behind that, and that's to otherize the person, it's to dehumanize that those populations and the propaganda you see that happened in the 18th, um, 19th century in early 20th century and still to today it's it's one of um it's it's really hard to describe but i think they uh liken it to devil worship which is really weird because there's no devil in voodoo that that's not even part of the religion or the tradition um so that's wrong to begin with. Uh, you're hating on us for something that's not even ours. It's not even something that we claim. <laughs> of course. You know, it doesn't even make any sense. And when the people would get together in the 1800s and have their ceremonies, they would, they would gather at somebody's house, a voodoo queen's house, and they would have their dances and um, their ceremonies. And there was always a part of it that was, you know, um, the party afterwards, basically. And neighbors who weren't into voodoo would report them. And uh, then, you know, cops would come and bust them and they'd all have to go downtown and 
Now, Marie Laveau, she was never, her, her ceremonies would be busted all the time, but she was never arrested. She was in good with the uh, politicians and the uh, law enforcement at the time. She had some arrangements worked out, but they still would come and harass her. And, uh, no, that's, uh, but, and she would also, she would also uh, post bail for a lot of the people who um, couldn't afford it to get out for those kinds of charges. So that's pretty cool. But I even start my book with a quote from her when um, the police showed up to another one of her ceremonies and she, and I can just see her say, it. she's like, shut that goddamn door. Like how many times <laughs> are you gonna come in here and disrespect <laughs> me like that? You know? <laughs> and that's a quote from, uh, I think it was a newspaper article when they, uh, yeah, uh, a newspaper, uh, police report. It was from a police report. She had said that. That. You know, but I can just see her doing that. Like, would you just, what the hell, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so well, there's a I lot think, that- I think people are really going to have a good time reading about her life uh, if they have not already read that book, but for your- new one that is coming out. Um, I am, I was just really excited, obviously read it, read it. Um, but just how much information is in there that has, that is new to me. Um, uh, mm. because there's just so much that has not been able to be accessed. And I want to ask you for beginners that are just coming into this have no basis in New Orleans, don't understand anything. I know there the, there's a lot of secrecy with voodoo because there are initiations and it is very sacred and you need to be a part of that. Is this book accessible for people who aren't in that practice? Are they still able to get something out of this book? I know the answer, but I'm gonna let you, you answer. That's a great question too. And I, I certainly hope so. You know, I try to make things as you know, um, open and accessible to as many people as possible, but the positive aspects of things, because, you know, my goal is to um, share the truth about uh, voodoo and um, try to dispel a lot of these myths and stereotypes and destructive um, attitudes towards uh, the tradition. And, you know, the book has a lot of practical things, because it's all about uh, having a spiritual lifestyle. It's all about, um enhancing your life um, through uh, magic and spirit and um, being better for it. Um, so there's a lot of practical information about, you know, how, you know, things would be cleaned, like the old domestic receipt books would tell you, but, you know, I incorporate the magic into it, you know, like, you know, cleaning your clothes with vinegar, you know, adding vinegar to it, to whites, that, that is, um, that's a cleansing agent on more than one level. <clears throat> and that's a way that people can in incorporate magic in their life. You know, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a practice, you know, it's like, it's a way of seeing the world, it's a way of living in the world. Um, and there's a lot of things that people can do. But for New Orleans Voodoo, um, I always tell people to um, start with your ancestors. Now, don't go into that, into this book, because it's not, this book isn't more uh, 
as much you know i didn't have enough room actually enough pages to go into everything that i really <laughs> would have liked to cover i have to you know there a lot of stuff was uh, cut out of it and uh which is why i'm offering the course too because i'm, I'm teaching uh an in-depth course about the book and it includes a lot of the stuff that didn't uh, make it in print because you know our publishers always make us have a word limit a word count of course <laughs> But um, yeah, for anybody who's like really interested in, in starting with New Orleans voodoo, I tell everybody to start with your ancestors. Start with getting to know with who you are and where you come from. Um, go back as far as seven generations if you can, which means you got to get into your genealogy, you know. Um, and um, a lot of people have trouble going back that far, and that's fine. You know, the, the point is to just get to know who you are by knowing where you came from and knowing who um, who your ancestors are. It's, it's an amazing journey when you start that, um, uncovering, you know, who came before you and what their stories were. Were they already here or were they, where did they come from? You know, what were their traditions? What did they do? Um, and a lot of people start getting into, you know, into their genealogy. Um, but you want to start with, of course, you know, asking parents and grandparents, if you have any grandparents left um, alive, please talk to them, ask them their stories, you know, because that's what it is. It's about um, connecting to elders, um, um, creating that ancestral practice. And it's really simple to do. It doesn't have to be complicated because it's not scary. It's, there's nothing unsafe about it. Um, you don't have to be initiated, and which, by the way, you don't have to be initiated to be a practitioner of New Orleans voodoo. It's not an initiatory tradition. It's a folk religion, which means it's open to the people. Um, so start with your ancestors, whoever you know, grandma, grandpa, whoever died, whoever has died. And, you know, get yourself a little table. Cover it with uh, white linen of some sort. Doesn't have to be fancy at all. Um, set up your photos of, the, of your um, deceased uh, family members. If you have any um, photos of people who have you know, passed on from generations past, that's awesome. A lot of times, like if you join the sites, Ancestry, you know, or any of the other ones, People share those photos. I've been able to find photos of some of my uh, ancestors, and it's been a fantastic um, just kind of dis you know, journey of discovery. Um, but yeah, so you want to put you know some photos of your ancestors on your on your altar. You don't put a photo of anybody who is alive. That's one rule. You don't want to mix the photos of the living with photos of the dead. So it's only the photos of the dead that go on your ancestor altar. And um, you can put a single, you know, glass of uh, water on there as an offering, um, some flowers, whatever your ancestors you, you know might have appreciated. Some, you know, favorite food, a grandpa, you know, liked a particular kind of cigar, you know, you can offer them that. Doesn't have to be burning if you don't want to. You can just put it on there and um, he can partake of it in the spirit world as he will, the energy of that cigar. Um, and then you just want to talk to them. You just talk to them like you would if they were in the room with you. Hi, you know, hi, grandma, hi, grandpa. You know, this is, this is Denise. And, uh, I, 
hope you're doing okay. And I, I've got some things I'd like to talk to you about. If you don't mind, you know, and then you just talk to them. Just like a normal conversation. You want to, um, but you do want to have that kind of introduction as you sit down with them, hi, and address whoever it is you want to talk to and then tell them who you are. Um, maybe you can, you know, pour a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and then have your morning conversation. Um, another thing you can do is just go outside and pour a, a glass of water on the ground and say to all my relations. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do that are just really simple practices um, to honor your ancestors. But that really is a, a big foundation of New Orleans voodoo. And it's not one that is um, emphasized as much as it, as it should be. All beginners should start there. And then there's some spirits that anybody can access. Papa Legba is a spirit that anybody can access. And in addition to your ancestors and your guardian angel. Um, Marie Laveau can be um, served by any anybody. All the saints. We have a lot of saints in New Orleans voodoo. Um, I mean, there's like thousands of actual saints. We don't uh, work with all of them. Uh, there's some primary ones, uh, St. Peter, St. John. And then we have folk saints like St. Maroon, excuse me, um, St. Anthony. Um, so you want to get to know who they are. And I go into those uh, particular uh, spirits in my book, Witch Queens, Voodoo Spirits and Voodoo Saints. That's all about the different uh, spirits and saints in New Orleans voodoo. It tells their stories, uh, who they are. And so that's a good book to get if you really want to get into um, uh, just learning who's who's in the Pantheon and and see who might um, speak to you. Also and when I say that, read. I mean, what's that? That was also one of my favorite reads. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was a fun book to write. Um, Fun book to read because I'm fascinated by mythology, folklore, history. I love all of that stuff. Not like researching it for myself like you do in anthropology. I like when somebody puts it in a nice book like that and then I read it and consume that information. That's my favorite. Right. It's, it's just fantastic. I, I love it too. Obviously, I wouldn't write about it if I didn't. But um, I just wanted to touch on when I said it to learn about this different spirits and saints and then, you know, um, amplify the one that speaks to you when i say speaks to you i'm not just talking about somebody you can relate to but in new orleans voodoo we say that the spirits choose us we don't choose them so the first step is to be open and if we are meant to walk this path the spirits will reach out you will know you will know um either through dreams or through people that might come into your life uh, events that may occur that somehow open a, a door for you that wasn't previously opened or turns on some kind of switch, you know, light switch um, that makes starts making other things make sense to you in the context of voodoo. Um, so, yeah. Get to learn, you know, learn more about stuff about it. And I really appreciate how much of that information comes across in your books and how much of it translates into 
practical hands-on information in your newest one because there really is so many different things that you include in there even though the publisher made you cut stuff out I mean just the like the kitchen that you mentioned like remedies beauty stuff cleaning your house like there's so many so much like good like practical hands-on things to really get you involved right right and that's that's a that that was the purpose of the book it was to you know basically this is if you are interested in uh, Marie Laveau's voodoo then and you want to live a life kind of like hers, then you can learn how to do that by um, incorporating the things that I talk about in the book. Um, you know, from your kitchen witchery to like you're talking about cures and remedies, you know, how to you know uh, heal from certain things. Um, and yeah, uh, the beauty formulas with fun to write about and we should try to live like marie laveau that is something i think a lot of us need more of in our life she's a strong person that you know was really on the right side of things of being this correct amount of kind and caring and at the same time being a badass right exactly i think it's a great great woman in history to look up to and have as an idol Right. And uh, uh, I do want to mention that if anybody is really interested in learning about New Orleans voodoo, um, I do offer a free course at Crossroads University um, that's open to anybody. You can come and take it and learn all about the history and uh, the different kinds of voodoo, where it comes from, because we, you know, it's a, it's a Creole tradition. So there's um various cultural influences, not just one. And um, yeah, you can learn, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't teach about the magic in that course. Um, I'm not gonna teach you how to do spells and workings and stuff, because to me, that's not what voodoo is. To me, you know, as I've said, voodoo is a, is, is a way of living life uh, in a spiritual way that um, honors relationships and um, emphasizes living in harmony with nature and, uh, empowers people to um, learn how to harness energies around them to conjure a world of their own making. Well, that is very kind of you to offer that class for free. I did not know that existed and I am obviously going to be taking that. Yeah. Yeah. Just go to crossroadsuniversity.com and click on the courses link and it'll open up. uh, It should be on the first page after you do that. So yeah. And I have a a forum there too that you can join that's free. That sounds perfect. Listeners, I will have that linked in the show notes as always, as well as all of Denise's works and where you can find her online and to get the new book that is coming out. You definitely will not regret it. You're going to enjoy all of this information and all of the books if you haven't read them already. But Denise, thank you so much for being here today and chatting about this and just sharing your opinions and your expertise. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Listeners, that's everything that I've got for this week. I will see you next week and do head over to whichwednesdays.com to check out all of those links and get the book and a free course.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Need even more witchcraft in your life? Subscribe to Witch Wednesdays on Patreon and YouTube for all types of exclusive bonus content like spells, recipes, book reviews, and more, or even order personalized tarot readings and spells. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. You can find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.